holy wisdom. You are the pillar of fire that leads us into each new moment of our lives. By the power of your Spirit, settle now into our hearts and illumine your will through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let me ask a question this morning. How many of you are bilingual? Wow. <laughs> Pretty few. Well, I guess I shouldn't have to ask the next question then. How many of you are trilingual? No one wants to show off. I can see. If you were either bilingual or trilingual, the question would be, what other language other than English did you learn to speak, and did you learn to speak it as an adult or a child? I grew up in a small farm community in southern Wisconsin, and we had a family in our community that were dairy farmers, and they had come over from, as they said, the old country, Germany. And they had three generations that lived on that farm and all farmed together. And Grandma and Grandpa, I don't think they ever learned to speak English. And Mom and Dad, they spoke both English and German, and so did the kids growing up. So there was a time in our history we had a, a real ability to be amongst community that were uh, bilingual, maybe even trilingual. There's a federal agency called the Foreign Service Institute that, that trains diplomats to operate in other countries. The folks at FSI also provide advanced language training in over 65 different languages. Sometime back, they ranked all the major languages according to how difficult they are to learn. They discovered that among the easier languages for English-speaking people to learn was Swedish, Spanish, and French. Well, okay, can you imagine what might be the more difficult languages to learn? For some of us, it might be English. How about Arabic, Chinese, Japanese, and not picking on Jihei, but Korean? <laughs> of course, some of us who speak only English sometimes have a difficult enough time with that. It reminds me of an amusing old story told by Reverend J. Barry Shepherd, who has pastored many Presbyterian churches across the United States. Like many Presbyterian pastors, Reverend Shepherd is, is originally from Scotland. He came to the U.S. to study at Yale Divinity School. After he had been in this country a couple of weeks, he, he needed to catch a cab to the local Department of Motor Vehicle. The cab driver heard his Scottish accent and asked how long he had been in the country. Reverend Shepherd said, two weeks. The cab driver responded, you sure did learn the language fast. I guess that's because the cabbie didn't realize they spoke English in Scotland. 
During the 2020 Olympic Games held in Tokyo, there was a, a heartwarming scene in which a Japanese surfer had lost a, a, a surfing event to a Brazilian surfer. The Japanese surfer handled his, uh, his defeat with grace. And in an interview after the competition, a reporter asked the Brazilian surfer a question in Japanese. The Japanese surfer who speaks Japanese, English, and Portuguese realized that his rival surfer spoke only Portuguese and, and had no way of understanding the reporter's question or responding to it. So he graciously volunteered to serve as a translator. Fortunately, the interview went off seamlessly, much to the relief of all, all involved. But think about it. What a gift it was for that Japanese surfer to be able to give to his competitor that gift by translating the reporter's question into the Brazilian surfer's native language. I think there's a beautiful image to keep in mind as we read our New Testament scripture lesson this morning from Acts 2, the day of Pentecost. That, of course, is the day when the Holy Spirit gave ordinary men and women the ability to share the message of Jesus in multiple languages. In this way, they were able to fulfill the promise and the commission Jesus gave them to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Our story begins like this. When the day of Pentecost came, they, they were all gathered in one place. The they that is referred to in this verse is, refers to the 120 people followers of Jesus, both men and women, who were waiting for the baptism of the Holy Spirit that Jesus had promised them just before he ascended into heaven. That's not the part I want to focus on right now. Let's focus on the last part of that verse. They were all in one place together. The actual Greek word here is a compound word. It's two separate words, actually kind of mashed together to, to create a new concept. It's a difficult word to pronounce. Homo muthanda. I told you it was difficult. This word is used only 12 times in the Bible, but it's used 10 times in the book of Acts. The two words separately mean to rush along in unison. To rush along in unison. It sounds like a good word to apply to a, a close-knit sports team or to a professional orchestra. In the book of Acts, it refers to a group of people who have one mind or, or one passion. Some years ago, one of the great sports movies that I can recall back in the, I suppose back in the 80s, was Chariots of Fire. 
I'd like now for us to view the beginning of that film. All these men were honored in their generations and were a glory in their days. We are here today to give thanks for the life of Harold Abrahams to honor the legend. Now there are just two of us, young Aubrey Montague and myself, who can close our eyes and remember those few young men with hope in our hearts and wings on our heels. Past, week, uh, past few weeks, um, those of you who watch PBS, you may have caught that movie as a kind of a reminder of that time. I recall as a distance runner one time, long time ago, many years ago, and this movie certainly it was a reminder of how being together in unison. Now, I know Bill Matthews was a cross-country runner, and I can remember when we would line up at the starting line at the beginning of a cross-country race, we were all together as a team in unison. And it might have been five, it might have been seven, it might have been nine guys. Sorry, girls, they didn't have cross-country for girls in my day. And when the gun went off, we all went out together. We didn't always finish together, but we all went out together. If we want to understand the story and the miracle of Pentecost, if we want to experience that same blessing in our church, in our community, then we must understand how it began. The blessing of Pentecost began with a shared passion. That's a powerful concept, isn't it? The idea of a group of people rushing along in unison, operating with one mind, one passion, and that passion was to honor Jesus Christ as Lord in a place and a time where that declaration could get them persecuted or killed. What if we develop that same shared passion to honor and live like Jesus 
in our culture, no matter what sacrifices that required. What do you think a group of people can accomplish when they're completely of one mind and one passion? When I think of the power of a shared passion, I think of the life of Frank Laubach. He was a missionary to the Philippines from 1915 into the 1950s. Most of us probably don't remember Frank Laubach's name, and, and that's a shame because he was a, he was a great Christian. There were a few people who could read or write in the, in the remote Philippine communities where Frank Laubach served. So he developed a simple literacy method that employed charts linking pictures with words and syllables. His instructional method was so effective that it was easily adapted into a worldwide system for teaching literacy. But then Laubach's mission funding was reduced, and he couldn't hire and train enough teachers to meet the needs of his community. When he told a local community leader about the problem, the man replied that he should encourage every new learner to teach someone else. The slogan began, each one, teach one, and encouraged new learners to pass on their skills to others in their community. It didn't take much encouragement because the new learners were so overjoyed, so empowered by their newly acquired ability to read and write in their own language, that they were passionate about sharing the gift of literacy with their friends and their neighbors. Since this was developed in the 1930s, Laubach's Each One Teach One system has been used to teach more than 60 million people around the world to read in their own language. Here's something you probably don't know. Frank Laubach is the only missionary in the United States to have a postage stamp issued in his honor. What inspired Frank Laubach's passion for mission? I think we can see his inspiration in a quote from his writings. Every person we ever meet, he wrote, is God's opportunity. Every person we meet is God's opportunity. Think about that. Let's return to our New Testament lesson. As the believers were joined together with one mind, with one passion, waiting for Jesus' promise to be filled, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus Christ, came from heaven with the sound of a violent wind, an appearance of tongues of flame resting on their heads. And suddenly, each one of these 120 believers could speak in other languages. How amazing is that? The Holy Spirit filled the believers with the ability to speak in multiple languages, but with only one message. Verse 11 says, they were declaring the wonders of God. The first blessing of Pentecost 
was a shared passion. And that shared passion resulted in the second blessing of Pentecost, which was an outbreak of praise. That's what happens when the Spirit of Jesus fills individuals or fills churches. We become passionate about declaring the wonders of God. In World War II, Sisters Corey and Betsy Ten Boom were imprisoned at Ravensbrück concentration camp in Germany. Their only crime was protecting Jewish families from Nazi persecution. In the evenings after the two sisters had finished all their hard labors in the prison camp, they led a worship service in the women's barracks. The women knew that if the guards caught them worshiping, they could be beaten or even killed. Still, the sacrifice was worth it to them. They gathered around a Bible that had been smuggled into the, to the camp by someone. They began each service by singing hymns that were so softly, so soft that they almost sounded like a whisper. And then Betsy and Corey would open the smuggled Bible and begin reading aloud. There were women from various countries in the concentration camp. So how did these women of different nationalities and languages worship together? Corey and Betsy read the Bible passage in their native Dutch language, then translated it into German. Then other women in the barracks translated the German into French and Polish and Russian and Czech. In waves of whispers, the women ensured that every person in the barracks heard the word of God in their own language. As Corey would later write of these secret worship services, they were a little preview of heaven. And that's exactly what Pentecost is meant to be, a little preview of heaven. In Revelation 7, John is given a vision of what heaven will actually look like. In verse 9, he says, he sees a great multitude that no one can count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. And what is the great multitude doing? Singing. Singing praises for their salvation through Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. So Pentecost was a preview of this explosion of praise that naturally flows from God's people. But so is worship. Every time Jesus' followers get together to worship or pray and sing praises or learn the Bible or do mission projects, there should be an outbreak of praise. Think about your last conversations when you were at church. Did they revolve around politics, work, family issues? Sports, the weather, 
Or did they revolve around declaring the wonders of God? If we want the transforming power of the church at Pentecost, then we need to start with a shared passion for God's work and an outbreak of praise to God. And the final blessing of Pentecost is a call to prophecy. Notice that Peter says in verses 17 and 18 when he quotes the prophet Joel, In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. Notice it says all. Everybody, and they will prophesy. God isn't just talking about those 120 believers who were there on the day of Pentecost. God is talking about a day when every believer will prophesy in God's name. God is talking about you and me. Don't let the word prophesy scare you. Prophets are simply truth-tellers. They're chosen by God to share the message of God, a message of warning, a message of hope. But every prophet's message is essentially the glorious and grace-filled messages in verse 21 of our lesson today. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's the message you and I need to share with our family, our friends, our co-workers, and our random strangers and, and everyone. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Share it with your words. Share it with your actions. Share it with your life. God didn't pour out the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of Jesus Christ, so we could keep God's glory and power and love and truth inside these four walls. A Franciscan friar from the 14th century once said, there is little good in filling churches with people who go out exactly the same as they came in. The call of the church isn't to fill churches, but to fill heaven. You and I are called and equipped by the Holy Spirit to be prophets, to share the truth of God and salvation through Jesus Christ with everyone. Remember the words, remember those words I quoted from Frank Laubach? Every person we meet is God's opportunity. What God opportunities are right in front of you? Pentecost was a world-changing moment. It was the moment when the Spirit of Jesus Christ was poured out on ordinary people, men and women from every tribe and nation and tongue for the purpose of accomplishing the work 
of Jesus all over the world until the day that Jesus returns. It began with a shared passion. It resulted in an outbreak of praise, and it left behind a calling for all, for all of us to prophesy, to tell the truth, to share the awesome grace of a God who promises that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen. Let us pray. God, our Creator, earth has many languages, but your gospel proclaims your love to all nations in one heavenly tongue. Make us messengers of the good news that through the power of your Spirit, all the world may unite in one song of praise, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.